Interest rates are sky high in 2023, and buying a rental property means you could get stuck with an 8, 9, or 10% mortgage rate. But what about a 2.99% rate with rent to retirement? Rent to retirement has 2.99% seller financing available on turnkey properties. You heard that right. That's a seller financed 2.99% interest rate with an average cash flow of over $900 per month. Plus, They've got options where you can put as little as 5% down with no PMI. As the nation's leading turnkey investment company, Rent to Retirement helps investors build headache-free, high-cash-flow rental portfolios. And since their properties are fully turnkey, newly built or renovated, leased and managed, anyone can invest, even those who aren't into landlording. So what are you waiting for? This 2.99% rate deal won't last long. To learn more, visit renttoretirement.com. That's renttoretirement.com or text REI to 33777. Again, text REI to 33777. Buy low, sell high. Very easy to say, but not always so easy to do. For example, high interest rates are hurting the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices in a lot of markets are falling, even for many of the best assets. So it's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com slash pockets. Fundrise.com slash pockets. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com slash flagship. This is a paid advertisement. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that I turned one of my first homes into an Airbnb? It's true. And it even helped me get the extra income I needed to launch my real estate career. So if you want to try your hand at making even more income with your property, Airbnb is the place to be. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, everyone. Welcome to On The Market. I'm your host, Dave Meyer. Today, I am joined by Kathy Fecky. Kathy, how are you? Wonderful. And also... Henry and Jamil, who appear to be brothers today. Yes, um, the, the twins are here. <laughs> if you can't see them, they're they're sitting in the same studio. We're happy and we're singing and we're colored. Give me a high five! Yeah. <laughs> oh, that was perfect. <laughs> oh man. Okay. All right. We're in for a good one. Well, Jamil and Henry are sitting next to each other at community camp dressed in identical outfits right now <laughs> what is community camp can you uh, just tell us what it is first sure it's uh it's basically like real estate woodstock honestly this started off as a little idea uh pace morby had pace jerry norton and myself visited kalispell montana last year and jerry's got a house on the lake and uh on lake blaine beautiful place and pace had thought you know it wouldn't be so great if we could get our communities out here to hang out a little bit, you know, just a few folks. And, and, you know, when Pace says a few people, um, <laughs> it escalates fast, right? So, uh, all of a sudden we've got a few hundred, um, nice coming nice. out to Kalispell, Montana, hanging out. And it's really just an opportunity for our communities to get to know each other, do deals with each other. You know, there it's, it's really 
helpful to people when when we can like get folks together so they can use best practices and and sh- share resources and share opportunities with each other and that's what this is all about so we're really grateful to be having to have the time and the opportunity and to have everybody come out here and enjoy this so uh, a lot of fun and we're we're planning on doing this again next year so reach out if you guys ever want to join us yeah maybe Kathy and I will get invited next year we'll yeah see. <laughs> you just had a wedding, bro. I did. I was off getting married. I'm trying to keep you married. We can't. We can't. Oh, thank you. Yes. <laughs> I don't know if Jade would have wanted to honeymoon at at community camp, <laughs> but it was it was on our list. But it it got knocked off. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that sounds very fun. Hope you guys have a great time. Awesome. Thank you. Today for our show, we are going to be talking about a very important thing these days, which is affordable housing markets where people either as homeowners or investors can look if they don't have a lot of capital to invest or perhaps don't want to put a lot of capital or trying to scale unit count quickly. As we all know, over the last couple of years, the median home price in the U.S. has skyrocketed. It's gone up about 20 or 25 percent and is now just below $400,000 as of this recording. I think a lot of people were thinking or perhaps hoping that things would get more affordable when interest rates went up and prices would go down, but that has not materialized. Uh, Most recently, we've seen that housing prices are pretty much flat year over year. But meanwhile, there is more to affordability than just housing prices. When you think about affordability. There's there's basically, it's like a three-legged stool. There's three things that's going on. There's, of course, housing prices, but it's also mortgage rates because I think it's something like 70 or 80%, maybe more of homes are bought with a mortgage um, initially. And then, of course, there's wage growth, like how much money is the average American making? And so over the last couple of years, in addition to prices going up, we've also seen mortgage rates go up. And although wage growth is going up, up until very recently, it was going up faster than inflation. And so all of these things combined created an environment where affordability, which is a a thing that people can actually track, there's a metric called affordability, is near 40-year lows. The last time it was this difficult for the average American to buy the average price home in the United States was somewhere in the early 80s. Uh, So this is obviously concerning. I think there are big sort of like large-scale issues with this, uh, you know, for our society. But for investors and people who want to be buying real estate right now, this obviously uh, presents its own challenge. And so today, we are going to talk about some of the most affordable housing markets in the United States. Each of us did a little bit of research um, based on an article that came out by Realtor.com, which had the 10 most affordable cities in the US. Before we get into those, though, I, I wanted to ask you guys, Kathy, we'll start with you. There seems to be this trend in the U.S. where people seem to be migrating to these more affordable cities. Are are you seeing that with the people that you work with or are people investing more in these more affordable cities? That's been a trend for the past decade, really, of people moving from high-priced markets into more affordable markets, certainly as People age, uh, baby boomers were able to sell their properties and, and with all cash go into another market if they were leaving a high priced market. It just got accelerated over COVID. Uh, you know, there's, but, but really there's such a lack of inventory everywhere that even prices have gone up in those quote unquote affordable markets. 
as it's been an interesting, obviously last couple of years where markets like Cincinnati has always been considered right, an affordable yeah. market. And I think their prices went up 20% in one year. Yeah, it's crazy. But we will show you that there are still a couple. But yeah, I, yeah. I think, do you think, do you think this is going to continue? Like given what's going on in remote work, it seems like this trend might actually accelerate if, if housing prices stay this unaffordable and people can work remotely, like perhaps they'll be more migration to some of these cheaper cities. Yeah, absolutely. People who can, there's still a lot of positions where you do have to show up to work where someone is physically needed to be there. Uh, but, you know, again, with a huge population of baby boomers looking at retirement and younger people who've kind of figured out how to retire earlier, uh, we, we probably will see the trend continue. I, I was just having dinner with some neighbors who were like, what do you do? <laughs> like, well, let's sit down and talk about it. And as I was explaining things, it occurred to me, I hadn't said this before, but it's kind of like right now as an investor's market, because the the first time home buyer is struggling, but they still want a place to live. Investors can, they have potentially more, well, obviously more knowledge, more negotiating power. They can, like right now, Rich and I are closing on a a duplex and we're, we got a four and three quarter um, interest rate. Wow. Because we're, we know how to negotiate with the builders to pay, you know, the points down for us. So, you know, there, this feels kind of like an investor's market. It, it's still good for families because they need a place to rent and they can't afford to buy. Uh, but that's just kind of what it is right now. Jamil, since you operate on such a national basis, I'm curious, are you seeing more activity in affordable markets uh, relative to expensive ones or is it sort of the same everywhere? There's still a tremendous amount of activity in the high appreciation, high high demand markets. You know, the higher price markets are still still very robust. You know, other than some of the activity that we're watching and tracking in Southern California, it feels like, you know, the other markets, the other major markets in the United States with migration patterns and 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 still a lot of uh, good opportunity for jobs. Are, are, it's it's still great for investors. And so, although these more inexpensive markets prove to be great places to live, I don't think it has attracted the type of investment or investor uh, quality that these other markets still enjoy. And so, I think as we start to see people's minds shift, and and perhaps if if folks start to move into these markets a little bit more, you might see the investors start really pushing over there and and making some big investments. That's pretty interesting. So do you think like from an investor perspective, more affordable markets have maybe less competition or at least less sophisticated competition for people who might for the moment. decide to, to for the moment? Yeah. yeah. Well, Henry, like, do you consider Northwest Arkansas an affordable market? I do. I mean, it's it's changing. The cost of living is going up because of all of the the people from across the country moving moving there or moving back there because of uh, the corporations they're requiring people to to come into the office on a daily basis, um, but it's still Arkansas, so it's going to be more affordable in comparison to some of the markets that you know Jamil is referring to, and we're seeing. I mean, the activity here is is crazy. Every I'm, I've listed two properties in the last th- three weeks, and both are getting three to five showings a day. And I've had, I had offers on both in less than 24 hours. So it's, and these are, and they're not investor offers. These are families buying these things um, with the current rates and the current salaries that they have. So it's, it's, it's intense, man. 
I know a lot of people move to your area due to the strong job growth, but do you think like part of the demand and reason people are moving there is because of their relative affordability? You know, I still think not a ton of people like on a national scale understand like this little pocket of Arkansas. Um, and so I wouldn't think that I think the, like we, we have 37 people a day moving to Northwest Arkansas and the majority of those people are moving because of the, the companies here. That's some helpful context for investors who are considering moving to or considering investing in some of these more affordable markets. We're now going to get into some of the most affordable markets that you may want to consider as an investor in the entire country right after this break. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. What I love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash westwood1. All lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash westwood1 now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash westwood1. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that a long time ago, before I ever started my real estate business, I turned one of my first primary residences into an Airbnb? And that's the extra income that I needed from Airbnb that gave me the confidence to go out and work for myself and eventually quit my 9-to-5 job. And now I have dozens of Airbnbs all over the country. I've even partnered up with the old David Green on a recent property in Scottsdale to take our portfolio to the next level. And of course, we host it on Airbnb. But you don't need to be a full-time real estate investor to start on Airbnb. As a matter of fact, I was self-managing 10 properties while working my 9-to-5 job, so I know anybody can do it. Think about it this way. You're looking for extra income and going on a vacation. Wouldn't it be great to rent out your space and let your property pay for itself while you're gone? I did this one time. I pitched my wife and my roommate because we were house hacking on the idea of renting out our home, and it paid for all of our expenses on a trip to Mexico City. So go and give it a try. It might just change your life just like it did mine. And I really do mean that. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I used to think working from home was the dream until it wasn't. Between the distractions and the solitude, I was struggling. But then I discovered Industrious Office. And honestly, it's been a game changer. Every day at Industrious feels like stepping into a zone of productivity. The high-speed internet never fails me during crucial moments. And the workspace? It's not only stylish, but designed to boost your focus and creativity. Plus, the daily breakfast and endless coffees are super cool. Meeting other driven professionals right where I work has not just expanded my network, it's inspired me. It's amazing how being around other focused people can push you to achieve more, you know what I mean? If you're looking for a sign to change your workspace, this is it. Check out Industrious by visiting biggerpockets.com industrious. Then click join now and use the promo code pockets to get a free week of co-working when you take a tour. That's biggerpockets.com industrious and use promo code pockets after clicking join now. Experience for yourself how the right environment can change the way you work. Industrious. It's where your best work happens.
So we have this list from Realtor.com that has the top 10 most affordable markets. And each of us is going to represent the top four. So I'm just going to start by reading off numbers 10 through 5. The 10th most affordable market is Augusta, Georgia. Their ninth is Columbia, South Carolina. Then we have Wichita, Kansas in 8th. Indianapolis in seventh, Jackson, Mississippi in sixth, and Little Rock, Arkansas. Henry, not far from that's not Northwest Arkansas, though, right? No, that's 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 kind of in the middle. All right, well, that is number five. Henry, tell us about the fourth most affordable market in the U.S. Yeah, this was kind of fun to research because I had no idea. So the Market is McAllen, Texas, and so looking at some of the stats, median list price for homes is two hundred and seventy thousand. Uh, median down payment fifty four thousand, and the median household income is fifty seven thousand. There, um, what I learned is that surprisingly, McAllen not only is it one of the fastest growing cities in Texas, but it's the fifth most populous metro area in Texas. Like. Really? Yeah. The jobs market is strong there. So companies that are moved that have moved there are opening offices. There's the Monitor Group, um, Amex Products, McAllen Medical Center, and the school that is uh, most of the people are going to out there is South Texas College. Um, so that's a lot of the employers that are out there. The other stat that I thought was super cool is that future job growth over the next 10 years is predicted to be 36.1%, which is higher than the U.S. average. So they're predicting growth. But what's happening, I think, that's creating opportunity is people with higher paying jobs are kind of outpacing the people with the lower paying jobs. The lower paying jobs are starting to get priced out of affordable housing. And so poverty is growing there. But I think that creates an opportunity for investors if you have a strategy of buying at a discount and then creating affordable housing, so not renting uh, A-class, but focusing more on C-class or taking, uh, you know, D and F-class and making them C, uh, C-minus class, and then having affordable prices or deploying a Section 8 strategy and providing housing to the people that really need it, you've got obviously lots of people who are employed there who need an affordable place to live. And so if the prices are already uh, lower than the national average, and then you can then on top of that buy at a discount, it creates this gap where you can price your rents affordably and have consistent tenant and have guaranteed money through Section 8. That's a that's a really good strategy. Uh, have you ever done anything like that, Henry? Yeah, we had, uh, we had a couple of Section 8 units and it was great. I mean, it was fantastic we got the majority of our money every month like clockwork um and the, the amount that the tenants had to come up with themselves was typically so small that we didn't have problems collecting that either i think part of that too is the properties we had on section eight we made really nice and so people wanted to live there they didn't want to have to leave and go somewhere else where they probably weren't get it going to get as nice of a product and so if you can find a way to keep your rehab cost down but create uh, a nice place to live there are plenty of fantastic people who are on Section 8 and would love a nice place to live. And if you give them that, then they'll want to stay uh, uh, as long as possible. One of the other things that's interesting for, for landlords uh, is you're looking at the average rent for a two-bedroom home in McAllen is under $1,000, where the national average is, what, up over fourteen to 1500 So it is affordable, but if you can keep your rents under that, like I said, you create this opportunity to provide affordable housing to a market that seems like you've got a lot of people in that niche. 
Awesome. That sounds like a, a very good approach to this type of market and probably works in a lot of these these affordable markets as well. All right. Thank you, Henry. Jamil, number three, most affordable market in the U.S. Tell us about it. So the third most affordable market in the U.S. is Scranton, Pennsylvania, famous for being the birthplace of our 46th president, Joe Biden. Actually, no, that's not why it's famous. <laughs> it's famous because of the author. Yeah, oh, come on. <laughs> so, Home of Dunder Mifflin. <laughs> you would think it would be famous. Best show that. ever. But, but uh, no, truly, it, uh, it is famous for uh, being um, the, the, the place where, you know, they, they technically shoot the office. They actually shoot the office in California, but they got a lot of their uh, establishing location shots in uh, Scranton, Pennsylvania. And oddly enough... Um, it, it's turned into this incredible tourist situation over there where you, you go to Scranton and there's, you, know, you there's places that they mention in the television show that you can go visit and, and thousands and thousands of people go there every single year to just view and, and hang out. And, and I bet that's so funny. And so it's incredible how the entertainment industry and has, has, you know, a boosted an economy and, and really put a town on the map. But when you look at it in terms of the economics of it, uh, it's actually, you know, pretty, pretty incredible how, how economical it can be. So looking at the median price point in Scranton, the median list price is $225,000. The average, the median down payment is $45,000 and the median household income is $54,000. $279. Now, it was interesting because I was thinking, well, since Scranton is such an affordable place to live, let's look at it from the opposite perspective. Let's, let's just say that you were one of these people that had, you know, let's, you lived in Southern California. You have a, a house in Compton that you were able to sell for $900,000. What could you get in Scranton, Pennsylvania? So I actually took the opposite approach. What was the most expensive house that you could buy in Scranton because I wanted to understand what that would look like, right? <laughs> so I looked at the most expensive house in Scranton and for $1.5 million, you can get a six bed, five bath, 6,000 square foot Victorian mansion equipped with a carriage house, a basketball court, nine acres of land, and an entire generation of ghosts. Ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> that really drives up the price, yeah. Do they pay rent? Is it income generated? <laughs> I don't from the think ghost? they do. Oh, I don't think they do. Uh, but, it, you know, it, it is a very quaint and cute city, and I, and I feel that if you were looking at it from the investor standpoint, there were incredible deals that I saw as I was researching and searching the market that you could find in the multifamily sector. And, and really, you know, some of these properties, if you were to, if you were to pick this building up and put it in any of these other appreciating or, you know, high demand markets, we'd be talking millions and millions and millions of dollars. And, and you can get buildings, nice, you know, C plus B minus buildings with, uh, some, some pretty incredible rents. I mean, we're talking the average rent being anywhere between 650 to $700 a month. And you can pick these things up at, you know, thirty to forty thousand dollars a door. I mean, where are you gonna find returns like that? It's a it's an incredible, incredible place to invest. It's just that do you wanna live in Scranton? Well, I guess if you are an investor and you can afford this one point five million dollar house, maybe you can hang out with the ghosts. <laughs> That's a very, very compelling case. <laughs> Thank you. I love how Dunder Mifflin is not actually 
hiring, but has actually led to job growth indirectly in Scranton. Like it's not even a real company, but it's creating an economic engine for Scranton, which is great. Really fun. All right. Well, thank you, Jamil. I guess I'm up next for number two. I'm glad I got assigned this one because I've been to this place and went to college right there. Uh, Number two is Syracuse, New York, which, if you're not familiar, is in western New York, just near Rochester, New York, where I went to school. And in this town, uh, the median list price is $217,000. And meanwhile, the median household income is about $40,000, $40,000, and the median rent is $1,450, meaning the rent-to-price ratio is close to 0.7, which means not everything is going to cash flow in that kind of market, but it does mean that on average, you can probably find stuff that is breaking even or doing a little bit better. And if you are a diligent investor and find good deals, you'll be able to find some pretty solid, good cash-flowing deals in Syracuse, New York. Now, I think what's really cool about Syracuse is at least, I don't know, I sort of have this bias sometimes. I don't know about you guys. Like when I look at an affordable market, I I assume it's like a non-appreciating market Mm -hmm. or it's affordable for a reason because there's relatively low demand. But in Syracuse, the demand and the job growth has honestly been pretty crazy. The jo- the unemployment rate there is 2.6%, which if you compare to the rest of the U.S. is about 3.6%, and 3.6% for the whole country is pretty close to the lowest it's ever been. So 2.6% is an extremely low unemployment rate, um, and it just shows that this market might be really poised for growth. They, I looked up this one thing that's sort of driving a lot of this growth, which is pretty amazing. Uh, Micron, uh, which is a, a technology company. I don't know. One of the first computers I ever had, it was like <laughs> the size of a refrigerator was a Micron. Um, it, I, that's all I know about this company, but apparently they're still around making cool stuff and they are bringing, they are uh, opening a plant there that is expected to bring 49,000 jobs to the area. And the population of Syracuse is only 146,000. Wow. So that's basically like a third of the entire area and probably half of the working age population of that entire area <laughs> may be able to be employed by this one place. Um, and so, and, and I, I assume, um, this being a technology company that's a relatively high paying jobs. Um, the other thing that's really cool about um, Syracuse is there are a lot of very good schools and universities there, a lot of technical schools um, uh, in the area. So there's highly educated graduates. So for these, that's probably, if I had to guess, one of the reasons why Micron is choosing to put their new plant there. And that's going to lead to likely a lot of very high paying jobs uh, in that area over the long run. So that's what I got. That's That's what I know about Syracuse, New York, other than my freshman year of college, my roommate gave me a tickets to a Billy Joel concert and I went there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and and I tried to scalp tickets from a undercover cop and he stopped me from doing it because he was very kind. Well, he wait, he was set up <laughs> to, to bust people for scalping and then liked you so much that he said, listen, I'm going to put you away. Actually, I was trying to sell an extra ticket. I was like, hey, do you want this or something? And he was like, you don't want to sell me that ticket. And I was like, yeah, I do. He was like, he like showed me his badge. He's like, no, you don't. I was like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) You're right. (laughs) So nice cops in uh, Syracuse, at least that one. All right. For our last and the most affordable market in the United States, Kathy, tell us about it. 
I first want to say that the most affordable place in the U.S. may not be the best place to invest. There are oftentimes, then there's reasons for uh, affordability to be so so high. <laughs> so this is not the same as my my argument about Syracuse. Yes, it's a, it's. A, I mean, it <laughs> violates all of my rules for investing long term. Um, I wouldn't invest in the city, but I do hope there is a comeback. This. This town is Youngstown, Ohio. It is a true Rust Belt city. At In its heyday, it was um, a Mecca. You know, it was a boom steel town. And then, of course, the, those days of, uh, those heyday days of glamour are gone. Uh, and it, it is, it's sad. It's unfortunate. The median list price is $149,000, uh, which means that Maybe you'd be a baller at 200,000. You could really be in the nicest neighborhood. Uh, so, you know, again, if, if you are looking for an affordable place to live, this could be on the map for you. It's, uh, median growth. This is what I look at is how are the, the, are the prices increasing? Because in an area, if you're buying an investment property, if you're living there, different. If you're buying an investment property and there isn't really growth, uh, on the, you know, if there's not appreciation, then what you get is cash flow. And if you're just getting cash flow, this is one of those markets where you really got to buy deep. You've got to get a deep, deep discount because you're not, you've got to buy the appreciation, right? Um, and force appreciation by getting it cheap and fixing it up and then having the cash flow because things, homes get old and they need to be fixed. And when things break and need to be fixed, the cash flow is just not going to cover it. It's like you lost that entire year's income fixing things. I've done this plenty of times thinking that the best thing you could do is buy a cheap house, but it ends up you know, if it's not appreciating, mm -hmm. it's hard to make money on it. So um, the biggest concern I have about investing in a place like this is it's been there's been a population loss of one and a half percent in 2020 to 2022. And that mm. in that time period where people have been moving to more affordable places, they have been kind of cashing out of the high price markets and going where they want to live in more affordable markets, but not not here. So, you know, it's it's just concerning. I don't like to be in markets that are not growing and that are actually shrinking. Kathy, I just I looked it up because I wanted to do take Jamil's. I looked at it right now too. <laughs> <laughs> what did you find? <laughs> to the most expensive one. The most expensive house, yeah, on Old Furnace Road. Is that the one you're looking at right now? Uh yes, five hundred ninety eight thousand. Yeah. Place looks dope, actually. <laughs> you could you could live well there, yes, if yeah. you buy the most expensive house and maybe don't you know, don't need to put your kids in school there. The the uh, poverty level is 35%. So very sad. Oh, wow. It's just, again, like a typical Rust Belt city. What you think of is a, at one time, it was where everybody wanted to live because um, mm -hmm. of the steel industry. And then when that shifted, and I believe the story is that that manufacturing went to other countries, a lot of these cities were we're just left hanging without a job center. And when you go on to the Chamber of Commerce, you see they're really trying. They're really trying to bring business back, and it hasn't worked yet. Well, hopefully they do. It's true. It's obviously yeah. not something uh, you want to see. Um, but I think it under sort of underscores a really important point that that we should discuss here for a minute, and that affordability doesn't mean it's a it's like a deal. You know, I think yeah. you, you saw this in the stock market over the last couple of years where everyone was just like buying the dip. Like if it was cheap, you're like, I'm just going to buy it because everything will go up. And honestly, that might have worked during the pandemic. But I think, you know, things are 
still hot, but they're normalizing in a, in a, in a way. So, Kathy, you you mentioned a couple things that you look at. Um, what you know, Jamil or Henry, do you guys have any other advice on like if you were trying to vet an uh, you know a city for investing that is cheap but has good investment prospects? Um, what would you be looking for? Well. I want to kind of tag on to, to what Kathy and, and kind of what you said too as well. Like when you're looking at these things, like you're you're going to get cash flow or you're going to get appreciation. There's few markets where you can get both. Um, I think you've got to be really diligent about your analysis to find the markets where you can get both. But investors really need to understand like what's your goal with your investment strategy? Like is your goal cash flow because you're trying to build up income to replace your job? then, you know, that might point you in one direction. But wealth isn't built through cash flow. Like, I think we use the word cash flow because it's popular and it means you make money every month, but that's not how wealth is built. So if the goal is to build wealth, you've got to have that appreciation, right? It's the it's the debt pay down through the rents that you get and the appreciation as the property goes up that kind of compounds and you get this this wealth creation. And so you really have to understand, like, what am I looking for as far as like, what's my long-term strategy? If you're going to buy a cash flow market because you're trying to build up some income, that's great. But at some point, you're probably going to want to sell off that portfolio and put that money into what's really going to build you well. So you don't just want to go buy in the market that's going to give you the most cash flow if your goal is long-term goal is wealth building. The other factor that I, I think is really important to think about just from an investor standpoint is, you know, where's the money, right? I, I, I always want to look at, if you're looking at the affordable markets, uh, look at the lender activity, look at what's attracting the investment, right? Track that, track the volume of, of, of cash deals or the volume of, of hard money deals and see is there is there an opportunity for for other investment other investors other place other people to to collaborate with and and do business and if you're going to be trying to to do business in a market like that you you don't want to be alone you want to be around other folks that are also investing in there as well because one person is not going to be able to uh, override a market there, it, it, if you've got multiple investors doing things and, and revitalizing an area then there potentially could be some opportunity for you there but uh, I, I would be definitely wanting to see what other other investors are doing and if it's attracting investment and if it's not then there's there's definitely a reason for that that's such a good point. I feel like that's that's something that's not really discussed that much is obviously like the strength of your team and having colleagues that you can rely on. But also like if there's a dearth of investment in the area, you're not going to be able to change that yourself, you know, unless you're Blackstone or BlackRock, right. you know, like it, it's it, as an individual investor, it's very hard to have that influence yourself. Uh, Kathy, did you want to jump in? I was going to say, you know, the 100% uh, businesses like to be around other businesses. People like to be around other people who have, you know, if you have a business, you want to be around other business people. But I will argue that you can get cash flow and appreciation. That is my entire strategy always has been is to go into markets where exactly like uh, I think it was Jamil that just said, uh, that where there's something coming, where, where businesses are coming, but maybe the locals don't know about it yet. And, and so you could still buy cheap, but you know, that's going to change over the next couple of years was exactly what we're doing in Texas. When you mentioned McAllen, we were, um, we were investing in McAllen years ago 
And before it was what it is today. I wouldn't necessarily buy anything today because it doesn't cash flow as well, but there's the next market, the next frontier where the growth is going. Because in every metro that's growing, it starts to get expensive. Downtown Dallas is pretty expensive. Mm -hmm. So then people move out, 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 out. So getting in front of that path of progress is for me how I love to make money because we buy cheap, it cash flows, but then it it goes up with an appreciation as more jobs come into the area. I don't see that happening in this Ohio town, but there are other, other places in Ohio where that is happening. Like, like Cleveland, for example, or Cincinnati. These are areas where um, they were rust belt, but they have their, they've come back. Uh, Cleveland is a huge medical um, center. Mm-hmm. And Detroit is a great example of what, what you were saying about you need lots of money. There were two billionaires that decided mm-hmm. to come in and try to revitalize Detroit. And even with their billions, it's been it's been hard, but it is coming around. Do you, any of you, uh, pers- you know, Kathy or I, Henry, I know you're in Northwest Arkansas, but are there any like super affordable cities that you're currently investing in? Well, you know, I am, you know, I'm Dallas. Out, out, yeah. Yes. Well, not just, it's really not Dallas. It's an hour and a half North of Dallas. Like we're okay. almost on the border of Oklahoma. Um, and that's where so many of the, the chip manufacturers are coming in. But again, the locals don't know it. So we're literally still buying homes for $50,000. It's, it's insane wow. because they, they just don't know what's coming, even though it's super obvious there's cranes everywhere and the, the uh, freeways are expanding. So yes, a hundred percent still on that path. What about you guys? I buy a little bit in Joplin, Missouri, which is about an hour north of Northwest Arkansas. You know, you've got population increasing in Northwest Arkansas that is driving prices up. People are kind of spreading out. It's a, it's a, it's a short enough commute and there's decent job market there as well. And so you can get more for your money in uh, that area or the areas leading up into Joplin. And so just kind of playing the long game around, like as people start to spread out from Northwest Arkansas, where are they going to end up? And uh, I know I can buy and get great cash flow there. So I, I have pretty strict rules about what I buy there. Like it's got to be a cash flow monster. Um, and then playing the long game over time. Nice. For myself, you guys know I'm a, I'm a, consummate wholesaler so i'm trying to i'm trying to sell everything i find but but for my holdings i you know i have been doing better with with holding rentals but i'm i'm lazy i'm i'm only buying rentals where i live yeah and it totally makes sense to to each their own you live in a great place to own rentals though so yes, yes. not an affordable place though no Like Phoenix whole area has gotten so crazy. I I don't mean your specific like, you know, area, but Phoenix in general has just gotten so expensive over the last couple of years. Sure has. All right. Well, thank you all so much. Uh, Henry and Jamil, make sure to send us a video of you two on the slip and slide together. (laughs) And we'll uh, hopefully be there with you next year. Yeah, we want the invite next time. (laughs) You got to wear the outfit, though. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, well. (laughs) all right well kathy jamil henry thank you guys so much for joining us and to all of you listening we appreciate you tuning in we'll see you for the next episode of on the market on the market is created by me dave meyer and kaylin bennett produced by kaylin bennett editing by joel esparza and onyx media research by puja jindal copywriting by nate weintraub and a very special thanks to the entire bigger pockets team The content on the show on the market are opinions only. All listeners should independently verify data points, opinions, and investment strategies.
With today's rates, we're all looking to save on our lender fees. But don't let the low-rate lenders fool you. They could cost you a lot more in the long run. So before you buy, find an investor-friendly, peer-reviewed lender at biggerpockets.com lenders. Using BiggerPockets Lender Finder, you'll instantly get matched with a lender based on your investing criteria. And with ratings and reviews from other investors, you'll know they're legit. Check out this recent story from one of our BiggerPockets members. She tried out a new low-cost lender in her market, only to lose six figures on her next deal due to closing complications. In her words, I learned the very hard and costly way. Don't make the same mistake. Head to biggerpockets.com lenders and connect with investor-friendly lenders who specialize in your strategy and have the best financing options around, regardless of whether you're buying your first, fifth, or hundredth property. Use BiggerPockets Lender Finder for free at biggerpockets.com lenders. That's biggerpockets.com lenders. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all hosts and participant opinions are their own. Investments in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. BiggerPockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.